So Marvel finally broke their silence yesterday, releasing the WandaVision trailer. Oh yeah, was there a silence? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I thought we were just waiting for. I guess also, and they cast She-Hulk, which is fun. Oh, it's written in blood. Yeah. Who is it? Tatiana Maslany from Orphan Black. Oh, oh yeah, Orphan Black. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. That could be cool. That could oh, work. Well, it's gonna have to be cool. Yeah, it's but did you see the WandaVision trailer? I did. I, I saw that yesterday. I am pumped for that. I More so than any of the other Marvel stuff right now. I think. It seems like exactly I thought it would be from the teaser of their shows they released last time. Yeah. The conglomeration trailer. And it just looks even more like that, which is awesome. Yeah. But like, I wasn't sure if it was going to be entirely spoof sitcom sort of thing or if it was actually going to have an undercurrent of right. this is like a Black Mirror dream state. I think it is. That's awesome. The biggest question I think everyone's wondering, at least I am, is are they going to resurrect Vision? Like, apart from just being in her mind, are they actually going to physically resurrect him? Somehow. Maybe she'll be the one to repair the, the neurons. She has the technology. She has the gifting. Yeah. And it would be completely within Disney's ball ball pen? Ball field? Uh, ball park? Ballpark. <laughs> Field of Dreams, it's a baseball movie. Oh, my gosh. It'd be completely within their ballpark to do something like that. I mean, they already have Loki's getting a series, and he's already dead, so. Yeah, true. That's probably the one I'm most excited for, to be honest. Anyway, speaking of witches and devils, what uh, are we doing today? Today, since theaters are still kind of f***ed, Netflix has just released a hot movie motion picture called The Devil All the Time, starring an ensemble cast amazing cast honestly more or less led by tom holland mm-hmm. who was phenomenal and uh scars guard i'd say too i well i checked the point where you see tom holland for the first time is 45 minutes in which is like perfectly at the end of the first act if you would separate a film into thirds for this movie oh really this movie is two hours and 15 minutes but tom holland shows up like right at the end of the quote-unquote yeah. First act. So yeah. you just watched this last night? This morning. Yeah. Oh, by the way, the Emmys <laughs> happened last night. Was it a live? Was I, there a show? I didn't watch it, but I just no. looked at the results. But a lot of cool I, stuff. Watchmen won like best series. Yeah, Watchmen series. blew up. Um, Regina King killed it. The one that kept appearing over and over again was Schitt's Creek. Yeah. I didn't know that was you such a... You know about Schitt's Creek? No, I didn't know it was so popular. I didn't know it was... It's a cult hit. Yeah, yeah. Small but incredibly dedicated fan base people have compared it to being as funny as shows like the office oh (laughs) no or parks and recreation or something i i should go check it out i didn't know that it was emmy worthy yeah yeah it won so many awards last night it's only a couple seasons isn't it it's had six seasons eugene levy is that his name yeah and Catherine o'hara anyway the devil all the time yeah in other news i watched it the day it came out last week and was just blown away by it. And I was like, Gabe, you got to watch this movie. And it's directed by this guy named Antonio Camp- Campos? Campos. I think so. Campos? Campos. And uh, he hasn't really directed anything that prominent before. The only thing I would have ever seen him direct was an episode of The Punisher, the Netflix Punisher. Mm. Which kind of makes sense because there's that sort of action in this. Uh, at, raw. At certain parts. That raw, yeah. kind of uh, Raw. <laughs> <laughs> the rawness but so gabe and i haven't talked about this at all so this is the first time we're talking about it right yeah. now 
So what did you think? I Without spoiling it. The trailer hyped me up a lot because I thought it was going to be right up my alley. It was pretty much exactly what I wanted, which was sort of like a place beyond the pines, generational storytelling narrative, but with some kind of darkness, like True Detective or something mm-hmm. going on. It was palpable from the trailer. Mm-hmm. And I thought the movie nailed it. I knew nothing about the source material. Um, just like I'm thinking of ending things, it was based on a book from a few years ago. I think this one was 2011 or 2012. Uh, written by the guy who narrated this film, actually. Oh, did you know that? No, that was the author's voice, and he was interesting. Awesome. It was a very good voice. Wow, for, I didn't know that. I mean, regardless of how you feel about narration in films, this guy had that velvety smooth cigarettes mm-hmm. for breakfast kind of Ernest Hemingway sort of thing. Yeah, it was awesome. But I was a big fan of the film. I knew pretty much from the get go that I was going to enjoy it, despite how good I thought it was from like the first well actually before you even see anything the score kicks in and then the title card just blasts on the screen I was like this is gonna be good and I love the strings and anytime I hear whatever that string instrument is in a score I'm down for whatever I'm about to see (laughs) and then they really set the tone 20 minutes in with just how brutal Mm -hmm. and grueling this film is gonna be emotionally Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. physically (laughs) for the characters yeah it's very realistic I'd say there's there's not a moment in this that feels um, fake. Some some of these characters are their, but you could say villainous qualities can seem caricature-ish. Yes, but I always felt like it was within the realm of yeah. This was, is real. I think the the lack of fakeness that I was describing would be in the emotion and the motivations behind the characters. Never feels fake. You're you're tracking emotionally with these characters the whole time, which really says a lot about the performances from each person. They performed their characters so well that you bought into every little nuance and development that they were going through as a character. And it really played into the storytelling and you tracking with these characters and really feeling the weight of their decisions and made for very gut-wrenching and heartfelt feeling. You really understood where the character was coming from and why they were doing what they were doing. In a movie, you usually hope to see those things in movies, and you sometimes do. But I think oftentimes, especially in modern cinema, we respond to motion picture with a lot less empathy. And this movie creates an empathy, I think, that makes it so that you're feeling a lot more than you otherwise normally would in a regular movie. If you were comparing this movie to like Lawless or something that had a lot of similar elements, this movie is doing and saying a lot more on a more macro and philosophical level. Yeah, big themes. <laughs> big, big themes. I was comparing it to... Uh, Your own family? Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I know I it definitely follows that family of origin stuff and how we become the way that we become and why we become the way that we become. But there are big themes of religion, especially toxic religion. I was equating it to Tree of Life in that you have the way of nature and the way of grace. Nature is often coming from this source of anger and confusion and hatred, and then the grace is coming through other characters. It's also the thing that we're at conflict in within ourselves, 
constantly. It really took, I think, from a lot of those themes, which are very prominent, I think, within every single human being. I think that's why you feel it so much as well, because you're seeing these characters make these decisions, wanting them to potentially make different decisions. But you also are understanding why they're making those decisions. And so it creates this conflict within the viewer that is so fascinating. And like I said before, we don't really see often in a lot of movies these days. Yeah. It's an incredibly human story. And I think maybe even more so for the time and place that it was set in. You know, you had 50s and 60s, Midwestern America. And it's funny how much of those themes, especially for our country, are still ringing true to this day. And even outside of religion, things like people in positions of power manipulating and controlling other people and using sometimes their virtues against them and things like that. Sometimes it was very graphic and on the nose, but there was also a lot of points in this movie where it was very subtle and there was a light touch and that was fun as well. Mm Mm-hmm. This movie, I think, to me, is one of the more Academy-worthy yeah. I've seen from the year. I mean, I know it's been a weird year for film, but if there was a movie I'd be like that I were to choose that might win some Academy Awards, it would probably be this one. Do we know if this film was going to be released in theaters before? I don't know, but I can say that seeing it in the theater would probably enhance the feeling and the emotions behind it. It would be awesome. I would love to see it in a theater. I would see it in a theater even after having watched it on streaming. (laughs) It's that good. And again, comparing it to something like Lawless, I enjoyed it infinitely more than a movie like Lawless or uh, Public Enemies or something like that, where I'm just thinking of like Arapiece films that have to do with human characters. This probably was the most enjoyable, albeit, like Gabe said, often raw and sort of disturbing at times. Can't be graphic. (laughs) To the point of where, even though there's a lot going on, the power and the weight of the empathy and the emotions that you're feeling as an audience member are really captivating. And it's something that you kind of want to experience again. I think it's definitely... Makes you think. Yeah. I'm a bit of a sensationalist, but I think it's one of the favorites that I've seen come out of Netflix, not just in general, but for me specifically as well. Mm. I was so enraptured when I was watching the film all the way through. It is kind of a long movie, and I didn't really have any issues personally with the pacing, but I was reading some people afterwards who had read the book, uh, and there were some discrepancies. Like I saw an interesting commentary that this might have been even better served if you could draw it out and put it in a series or a miniseries or something like that to really flesh out, because there are a lot of characters in this show. I'm glad they didn't do that. No? Very glad. Yeah. It really felt like you spent enough time with each character to get what you needed from them before you moved on to the next character. Because it does change sort of main characters a lot. One of the things I said to you, one of my immediate responses after watching it was, there was no waste in this film. Every scene had a purpose. And therefore, I would draw the conclusion that it didn't feel drawn out. Mm. It, It felt... It felt like every single thing that you were watching had intention and reason to be there to propel the next scene. There was no fluff in this movie at all. Yeah, there wasn't time for any. Yeah, (laughs) because there were so many characters. I do think out of all of them, the one in particular I wish we could have seen a little more from, just to give it a little bit more depth, it would be Jason Clark's character, Carl. Right. And his cohort. Yeah. Yeah. Sandy. Also, funny to note, she's the only American actor, actress in this movie. Everyone oh, else really? is either European. Jason Clark's not American? He's like Australian or New Zealand. He is? Yeah. Oh, wow. Everyone, only, everyone else in this film. Play American. Everybody else in this film was from another country. It yeah. was awesome. Oh, I was going to say, but those characters in particular, Jason Clark's character, who seems just incredibly one dimensional. The book 
apparently gives extra depth to him and, oh. all, and some of these other characters, like why he is this way. Right. And then you're like, because the whole point of this story is to show everyone in, in, in a scale of gray, right? Like there is a depth and uh, a monstrosity to every human character. Like there's a darkness, mm. but that darkness shadow only exists because of form, right? Of a person who is still a person. But at no point in the film did I have any sympathy for Jason Clark's character. Yeah. Or I was like, this guy has any redeeming qualities or any point where I can connect or relate with this character in particular. So, mm-hmm. and then I, I saw his arc in the book. I won't spoil anything. But it was um, different. Well, it wasn't different. It was just, it was, it, was lo- it was longer. Yeah. And you get to see where he came from and what led him to this place uh-huh. where he was a monster. Yeah. And so that was interesting. But yeah, for what the movie did give us, especially having not known what more there could be from a source material, I think you're right. It was incredibly airtight, which is interesting to see for such a long film that spans 20 years in time mm-hmm. in the story. Could we talk about Tom Holland's performance? Probably the best of his career. I yeah, want to say so far and I was one of the few people that saw in the heart of the sea in theaters which was the oh, yeah. Moby Dick adaptation yeah yeah uh, and he was in there and he was great because most people only know Tom Holland at this point in time as Spider-Man yeah he's done a, a few other pictures but mm-hmm. it's really just Spider-Man so I saw a lot of people talking about oh it's good to know Tom Holland can act yeah <laughs> and I was like but yeah he's done some other good stuff too but he definitely was worthy of the leading mm-hmm. actor mantle here and he killed it yeah, he, there's this clip. I'll play it right now. It's exciting for me to be able to play this character who talks with a lower register, who's slower, who talks with maybe a more menacing voice. That ain't no preacher. He's as bad as they got on the damn radio. With a film like this, the most important first step is getting the accent right. If you don't get the accent right, then you may as well not do it. What really attracted me to this role was just the fact that I would be pushing myself in ways I haven't before. It was a really fun process because People associate me, Tom Holland, with Spider-Man at this time in my life, and they expect me to talk like this. Oh my God, Ned, we gotta go, we gotta go. Yeah, well, there's a lot of no good sons of bitches out there. I wanted to bring what was on the page alive. For me, that meant sort of like finding things in me I didn't know I had. Alvin's a very aggressive person, a very angry person, while also being a very caring, loving, and calm person. So it's been a real sort of crazy ride for me to try and balance this attitude that he has towards life. For me, it's been really exciting to sort of dive into something new and fresh, and hopefully audiences disconnect from the Spider-Man world and dive into Antonio's world. That is devil all the time. Such a different performance than I think anything people are used to, and one of the things Tom said was he really hopes that people can set aside the equation to Spider-Man that they have with him and let that go and just look at him as a completely new person and character in this film. And I think I think it's very easy to do because his performance is so good. I think his performance, honestly, is Oscar-worthy because it definitely shows that he has such range. The dude's got chops, as they say. And I think because this movie is so good, and there's such a good cast to it. And Tom Holland's coming off of other characters that are so different from the character that he plays in this film that he could definitely win an Oscar for it, or at least be nominated. I'd also love to throw in, everyone will be talking about Robert Pattinson oh, yeah. as a scene stealer. And he seems to be stealing scenes in everything he's in now. Yeah, But he was also incredible. And his voice out of a, a host of fantastic Midwestern accents, his sort of, 
and I was reading it's high pitched. Yeah, it's, it's so high, and it's so like and to hear that, and then see his voice in the Batman trailer. I'm like, this is the same person. This is crazy. Yeah. It, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, <laughs> even in the Lighthouse, he did like a range of dialects just in that film, and I think that was an intentional choice. Right. I think we talked about that in the cast. We did, but he's just so good. It was a voice that made you want to punch him in the face, <laughs> yeah. which was so appropriate for the character. Yeah. But he, I was reading, and he was, I guess, the story on the set was that he hadn't revealed his voice to anyone prior to right when they had begun filming. Really? Which is highly unusual. All the That's so interesting. The actors were working with the director, and <laughs> right. then he got there. He was very self-conscious, as he's been known to be on sets. Like, he doesn't do rehearsals, which is why he clashed with Defoe on um, Lighthouse, because right. Defoe is the consummate. Yeah, he's classic. Rehearsal Classically guy. trained. So he shows up, and I guess the first scene he shot was the one where he was in the car with Eliza Scanlon. And he, I guess he just started talking that voice, and I would kill to see what everyone was thinking and, and feeling on the, that day. Yeah, the reactions. To that voice, because it was just, it was amazing. So brutal. That character. I mean, all the characters. He's, but. even in the whole movie, though, I wouldn't even have called him out as being, I, it's funny that he's getting so much mention. Like, when they talk about the devil all the time, they talk about Tom Holland and Robert Pattinson. But Robert Pattinson was like a very minor character in this movie, I think. But um, I think he was... He definitely was an instrumental character. Out of a lot of interweaving storylines in this film, yeah. he sort of was, I guess, the main uh, foil or antagonist for Tom Holland's character. Hmm. The one he, if you want to talk about Destiny or Fate, was like the one he was scoring off against uh, at the highest level. And for reasons that we won't discuss in yeah. this spoiler-free podcast. But. I thought Sebastian Stan was good, too. Um, even though it probably wasn't that difficult to play that role, he played it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it showed him with like a big old pot belly, which is like, his face was so different as well yeah. in the later years. Mm-hmm. It was, I was kind of shocked. I, sometimes I would, they do this with other actors. I was wondering if they just stuff cotton swabs in their cheeks because he had his jowls were protruding and he wasn't that much bigger mm. than the rest of his body but his face was I, I thought he was great it was kind of a transformative role for him for sure I'm a big Skarsgård fan he was great he was really good it was a gut-wrenching performance from him mm-hmm. also the guy who played the first pastor I was just gonna say that Roy did you know who he was no that's Dudley from Harry Potter. Oh, really? Lost a lot of weight. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was I was I was going to say cuz when I first saw him I was like is that Ben Foster? No. Cuz he looks very similar to Ben Foster. Yeah. But no, I didn't know that. I um, thought he had this eerie kind of familiarity to him too. So yeah. I looked up his IMDb and How it's funny. It's Dudley Dursley. Do right. Yeah, it, he's half of that person. Right. But he was incredible as he well. He was super good. And one of the other things I was reading I didn't, online, I didn't know he was still acting and yeah, apparently. Being well, he's awesome. he's been doing some other stuff too. He has a career ahead of him for sure. Yeah, he's still young. Yeah. I guess we could throw some love to the crew because I was really fascinated to know who did the score mm. because that was the you, first you element of the Yeah. Yeah. And this, wouldn't you know, it <laughs> is the composers of Ozark. Oh, really? It's Denny, Bensi, and another gentleman who is his frequent collaborator, whose mm. name I cannot pronounce. But they're the Ozark guys. These Netflix guys all stick together. Yeah, and did you know they also did the score for Enemy? No. Denny? I love Enemy. And, oh gosh, the cinematographer, I was also going to say, I can't remember, but he also did something. I was going to say, too, about the cinematography, if if it wasn't as good as it is, then it would not have played into the emotion and you feeling and empathizing with the characters in this film. Yeah. That to say, the cinematography was fantastic. 
It was very good. It really took it from being like a, what could have been a subpar or B-level movie and took it to like an A movie. Or you could say from your standard Netflix fare yeah. to a potential Oscar winning it, yeah. motion picture. Precisely. It was really good. There's some really good shots in this movie. And I hope to see more from Antonio Campos. Yeah, he's also got a career ahead of him. I guess he wrote the screenplay for this film, so off of the book. It must have been, like I said, it doesn't waste any time. There's no scene where it's like fluff, like I said. So it's to speak to the writing as well. That being said, there are slow scenes. But if it's, you think there are slow scenes no, 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 in no. this film, I don't. I don't. I'm say, not saying you. But yeah. if there's a person out there who thinks there's a slow scene in this film, turn this podcast off. Yeah. Don't ever listen to it again. <laughs> stop. Stop what you're doing. <laughs> Walk out and into the ocean. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. We don't want you listening to this. That's podcast. just kidding. Please keep listening to us. Tell your friends about us. I want less listeners. That's the goal. What I mean is, and one of the reasons I love this film, and you know, I guess a big part of that is the directing or the cinematography or the writing or whatever, but a lot of these scenes, they give them time to breathe and they don't just keep cutting around. So while it's true that no moment is wasted, this movie, it just has room to breathe and that's what makes it so effective. It's a drama. Well, usually in dramas, I feel like they're a little bit slower paced. That's why sometimes I'm like, do I want to watch a drama right now or do I want to watch an adventure film? Marvel films are adventure films. This is a drama. This is a film you'd watch with your phone in your pocket or in your hand? <laughs> uh, that's becoming a, a frequent. I like that question because it's relevant <laughs> for yeah, yeah, today's no, audience. Is this a phone in your hand this movie? This is a phone or? in the other room kind of movie, yeah. I think. Turn your phone off. You need to pray for like five yeah, minutes. Yeah, <laughs> actually, you should spend some time in prayer. Buy a prayer log. And then get drunk. Like have a couple beers after you pray. A tasteful buzz, not like a belligerent. And then press play to the film. Then you'll be in the right headspace. <laughs> and make sure to hug your pets. To watch the devil all the time. Hug I love you. that title too. It's so good. Yeah. I was pleased when I, I think they dropped it pretty early in the film because he was referring. I was curious what that meant yes. when the narrator's referring to Tom Holland's character thinking about his father. Mm-hmm. He's reflecting on how his father is spending so much time in prayer and how it seems that his father is wrestling with the devil all the time and that seemed to be the hook for the film all these characters wrestling with the devil all the time and that was the story was the darkness of humanity really in a nutshell i think yeah yeah and also to think about tom holland's character throughout the whole film despite all of his decisions he never really stood a chance and it was like he was constantly encountered with the devil all of the time mm-hmm in everybody he met. Yeah, he said he, he said he never had any choice, really. Yeah, he never caught a break, this poor kid. Which is funny, because the, the natural assumption, I think, is that being in the 60s, Vietnam War is just picking up steam. Yeah. And there's really no assumption to be made that there will be rest for these characters. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You have a song that we should play here? Anything from the score. All right, well, here's something. Here's, here's something. 